from NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I like Bill. I still like Bill. (laughs) Sometimes I had too much Bill. I'm Bill Curtis, and here's your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Great to be with you today. We have a fine show. Listen, a couple of years ago on the Netflix TV show, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, we had to endure the following insult. Take your incomplete college application and go wherever white folks go to fan and stuff. A farmer's market, dog park, maybe a live recording of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. (laughs) So we heard that, and I gotta tell you, we were thrilled. (laughs) They noticed us. They really, really noticed us. Later on, we're going to have the chance to thank the star of that show, Ellie Kemper, in person when she joins us. But first, we want you to say cutting things about us to our faces. The number is one wait wait That's one 924 8924 Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Mary Christenberry calling from Cadillac, Michigan. All right. I am often made fun of because I always say, oh, I know that place. I have no idea where Cadillac, Michigan is. Where's I'm not it? that surprised. No. Uh, it? it is northern lower peninsula of Michigan. Northern lower peninsula. If that tells you anything. Not at all. All right. But You're UP adjacent. Yeah. About 45 minutes south, what, southeast of Traverse City. Oh, okay. You don't sound like you know where it is. Are you? <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Mary. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's a feature writer for the style section of the Washington Post. It's Roxanne Roberts. Hello. Next, it's a writer and actor who plays Mike Pence on a new President Show special airing October 22nd on Comedy Central. It's Peter Gross. Hi. And it's a comedian who's performing November 16th through the 18th at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia. And her new podcast is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Yes, that's right. It's Paula Poundstone. (laughs) So, Mary, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three quotations from the week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose on your voicemail. You ready to play? I am. All right. Your first quote is a text message everyone, everyone (laughs) received this week. No action is needed. Who sent that text? Uh, The president. The president of the United (laughs) States. That's right. The system uh, was created to allow the president to send a text message to every single American, whether they want it or not, was created years ago, so it is just really good luck that Donald Trump is the first president to get to use it. Some 300 million Americans got a text from him at the same time. That was okay, but it got really bad when that first guy hit reply all. Do we know whether or not he actually pushed that button to send that alert? Oh, please, they don't let him push buttons. No. (laughs) No, actually, I think they let him push buttons. They just make sure they're disconnected from anything. (laughs) Snip. And they they have a guy in the corner going, just a fool <laughs> when I found out that it was coming, I was worried that it was going to be like, like the text would come in. And you know, they all make those like horrible noises. Yeah. And I just wanted to hear, like, I was worried that his voice was going to be like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Like, 
Sad. Just emanating from you. <laughs> sad, sad, sad. Uh, the system was designed so that the president, if he deems it necessary, can alert every American to an emergency. For example, say, the New York Times reporting that his entire business career was a total fraud. <laughs> Which, by the way, also happened on Wednesday, so it's amazing the first presidential text wasn't lies, fake news. <laughs> but it's an incredible story. It's 14,000 words. And, and so if, you, if you've bought the physical paper, it's like four full spreads in the middle of the paper. It's incredible. I and was the centerfold in yeah. the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's all me. <laughs> and they also published videos online for people who are more visually oriented. And they published a shorter article with just highlights for people with a short attention span. And for the president himself, it was just a, a dollar sign next to a frowny face. <laughs> So the way he tells it is that he's this self-made man. He does, He has a, a, always said that he, he borrowed a million dollars from his father at one point in his paid life. Paid it back with interest. Paid it back with interest, whereas none of that turned out to be true. None in, of it. Instead, it's like he was on some survival show where the challenge was that you're dropped in the middle of New York City with a nice place to live <laughs> and millions of millions of dollars. Exactly, yeah. And yet he survived. He, he's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> All right, your next quote is from a letter that was written back in the early 1980s. Warn the neighbors that we're loud, obnoxious drunks with prolific pukers among us. That was somebody being very honest back when he was in high school. He may or may not be just as honest now. Who is it? That would be Brad Kavanaugh. Yes, Brad Kavanaugh, exactly right. The FBI released uh, its investigative report about Brett Kavanaugh to senators this week, and they did it without interviewing either Judge Kavanaugh or Dr. Ford, but they did say they checked Wikipedia. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you know they put all this effort into the report because it started with the words, Webster's defines assault <laughs> as... <laughs> They, they say that, they, well, like, you know, who knows who did what. But from the strictly, it was a job interview point of view on those hearings. Yeah. You know, I have worked at the IHOP. Yes. And uh, <laughs> when I was asked, you know, have you ever waitressed before? <laughs> it never <laughs> occurred to me, no, have you? Have you ever waitressed? <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was weird about about the fact that the FBI hardly yes. interviewed anybody was all these people were saying, please interview me. Yeah. What happened, of course, last week, uh, Judge Kavanaugh at his hearing said he liked beer and sometimes maybe had too many beers back in high school, but otherwise sober as a judge, which he is, <laughs> not sober as his friend Mark Judge, who was totally blotto. Mm -hmm. So all of these stories started coming out. The New York Times found a letter Brett sent back in the day organizing this beach week. You heard from that. And he also got into a bar fight at Yale after a UB40 concert. Now, what's the, what are the details of this? He thought... He thought, he, like... The he, guy at the bar was the lead singer. He and was the like, lead singer. And he's like, you're the lead singer of UB40. You're here, man. We just saw you in concert. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, yes, you are. <laughs> and he decided to throw his beer or his glass of ice, it's yeah. unclear, in the guy's face. You know? It's like, As one does. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah. that, I want that guy to come forward and be like, I want everybody to stop thinking that I am the lead singer of UB40. Yeah. I don't but care if he gets on the court or not. That's not important. It's absolutely, I mean, there's no way that story of him throwing a beer at a guy in a bar could be true. No way is Brett Kavanaugh going to waste a beer. Yeah. He, well, he threw his face and he started licking the guy's face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, beer. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again to you, beer. Mary, uh, speaking of drinks, 
Mary, your last quote is a company's description of a brand new product they just released this week. The pumpkin spice freedom ISO2 will instantly become your favorite fall treat. It sounds delicious. However, this new pumpkin spice product is a what? Uh, is it a phone? It's not a phone, although you're, it's, it could be. I'll give you a hint. This pumpkin spice product is made by the Saucony Company. A, a shoe? It is a shoe, yes. Oh, as far as we know, it is the first pumpkin spice shoe. Saucony released the pumpkin spice freedom ISO2 running shoe, and it's smart. A running shoe is the only thing whose scent would be improved by pumpkin spice. <laughs> It joins such products as pumpkin spice coffee, pumpkin spice deodorant, cookies, drywall. <laughs> Starbucks, who originated this nightmare, is referring to their signature pumpkin spice latte as PSL, which you also is when you speak pumpkin as a second language. <laughs> <laughs> how that company's name was pronounced. Saucony. Yeah. I, was like, you know. I thought it was Saucony. Saucony? Yeah, that's what I thought. I've been saying it wrong for years. How, oh, of, how often did like it come idiot. up? Is it in your act? You, it's in your act, right? Like most of your act is about Saucony. Yeah, the majority <laughs> say of my act is about... How do you say N-I-K-E? Do you Nike. know that? Okay. Nike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> what about A-D-D-I-D-I-S? Uh, Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be a shoe-specific yeah. thing. <laughs> I walk. I've never been a runner. Bill, how did Mary do in our quiz? Couldn't have done any better. Three out of three for Mary. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Take care. Right now, panel, it's time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Paula, this week we learned about a new party trend hitting the scene in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. As I'm sure you know. <laughs> Used to be you'd get, I don't know, a magician to show up or maybe a Kardashian. Now the must-have guest is what? Oh, wow. Must-have guest at a Hollywood party. Yeah. Uh, an insurance person. <laughs> that would be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll give you a hint. I yeah. mean, they go to the parties. And they're not really into it, though. They just say it's meh. Oh, you bring a sheep? Close. A goat? Yes. <laughs> Would you the, just do that again? Would you do your goat again? I already did my turkey for you. I know. I want it's you to do your goat again. I want to have a whole, like, Fisher-Price farm. <laughs> <laughs> but yours was kind of a Jewish goat, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. This is a goat. Meh. No. Th no, no, this is a Jewish goat. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle difference. It's, uh, this is a terrible can in such small portions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, the, the hot thing to do, according to Reuters, in L.A. is party with tiny goats. A company called Party Goats L.A. charges $99 an hour to have two, quote, Nigerian dwarf goats dressed up in purple velvet suits show up at your party and the best part this is this sounds like just like you pay to watch people like abuse goats no you pay to oh look at the goats the goats are here let's go to mm. Peter's house for a party he always has goats that's how it works is this and then they go are they, are they his goats and no no he rents them <laughs> Coming up, there ain't no party like a bluff the listener party. Call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT-TO-PLAY. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. 
Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is a self-installed wireless protection for your home. The company was founded by an electrical engineer whose friends were burglarized. They wanted home security, but most systems were too complicated and too expensive. So he built Simply Safe. Now they protect over 2 million people. And with Simply Safe, there are no annual contracts. Learn more about Simply Safe today at simplysafe.com/wait. You've certainly heard some variation of the phrase, be a man. Are you a real man? You must be gay. Man up. Manhood is something that's hard to earn and easy to lose. Masculinity threats, this week on Hidden Brain. Man up, man up, gay. A woman's job, a woman's job, a woman's job. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. The NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Roxanne Roberts, Peter Gross, and Paula Poundstone. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you so much, Bill. Right now, it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game called one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Pete from Eugene, Oregon. Oh, I know where Eugene is at the very least. How are you? I'm doing fine. How it's, are you? It's, I'm great. It's beautiful out there. What do you do? Uh, well, I'm a carpenter by day and a clinical social work grad student by night. Oh, wow. Okay, hey, thank you. If, 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 you, if you can do something as useful as carpentry, why would you ever want to do something as ephemeral as social work? I don't know. I used to counsel the uh, drywall hangers while they were talking <laughs> about their uh, marital problems. Yeah, dealing with their hang-ups. I just, I just thought uh, try something different. Oh, well, well, good for you. <laughs> Pete, it's very nice to have you with us. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Pete's topic? Party! <laughs> who doesn't love a party? Most people, that's who. This week, we heard about a party that went horribly awry. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win our prize. The wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? Absolutely. All right. First, let's hear from Paula Poundstone. 23 of Max Goldstein's friends, plus their parents and siblings, covered the front yard at his Spider-Man-themed fifth birthday party. They let out screams of surprise and excitement at the sight of Spider-Man climbing head down down the side of the house. This guy was amazing, said Max's dad, Andrew Goldstein. It really did look like his hands were sticking to the side of the house. That is until he got stuck. When his, when his rope slacked quickly, the action hero slid down the side of the house, catching his suit on the light-up Happy Birthday Max sign that also hung from the side of the house. I'll get you for that, Venom, improvised a quick-thinking Spidey in a strained voice. Andrew Goldstein couldn't reach the party entertainer from the window, but because the kids were enjoying it so much, and Spidey really wanted a five-star review on PartyAnimal.com, the odd part-arachnid, part-man-man begged Goldstein not to call 911. Instead, they called someone else, and after stalling with knock-knock jokes for about 30 minutes, the front yard exploded with cheers when Batman climbed down another set of ropes. (laughs) In a move that answers once and for all the question, Spider-Man or Batman, within seconds, Batman 2 was inextricably hooked onto the Happy Birthday Max sign on the side of the house. The fire department came and rescued the superheroes. The kids loved it. (laughs) A Spider-Man themed birthday party 
that goes not according to plan when Spider-Man gets stuck, and then so does Batman. Your next story of a party getting out of hand comes from Roxanne Roberts. Sarah Chambers wanted to do something special for her entomologist husband's 75th birthday and planned a surprise party featuring his lifelong passion, tarantulas. So in the center of a private room at New York's Harvard Club, a table held a large terrarium with more than two dozen different species of the furry spiders. The guests seemed amused by this eccentric display until one of them lost his balance, fell into the table, and caused the terrarium to slide to the floor and tip over. That's when the spiders began crawling toward the dinner tables, apparently drawn by the scent of the first course, a warm mushroom tart. (laughs) Quote, the chef obviously had no idea that wild mushrooms smell like dead crickets, which are spiders' favorite food, Chambers explained to the New York Times last week. I was worried about the tarantulas, and my friends were worried they were going to (laughs) die. This... (laughs) The spiders were all retrieved unharmed, but the party ended early and no one touched the birthday cake in the shape of a giant tarantula. (laughs) (laughs) I have seven legs left, said Chambers. (laughs) (laughs) A party for an entomologist gets a little hairy when the tarantulas get out. Your last story of a soiree snafu comes from Peter Gross. Gender reveal parties are a great way to let people know two important facts. The gender of your baby and that you are a narcissist who thinks people want to come to a party to find out the gender of your baby. (laughs) Attendees to a recent Tucson, Arizona party found out a third fact. Gender reveals and explosives don't mix. Arizona Border Patrol agent Dennis Dickey was looking for a way to impress his wife at their recent gender reveal party, so he did what any soon-to-be dad would do. He went overboard. According to police reports, Dickey fired a, quote, high-velocity firearm at a target he packed with a substance intended to explode pink or blue powder into the air. Uh, Instead, Dickey's act of high-velocity stupidity caused an immediate combustion and due to the hot and dry Arizona conditions sparked a fire that wound up consuming 45,000 acres, forcing hundreds of people from their homes and costing the state over $8 million. What's worse is the explosive substance Dickey placed inside the target is called Tannerite, which is legal but extremely volatile and had already been the cause of several major wildfires. State regulators are exploring a new law under which Tannerite would come in the following warning. Caution, highly explosive material. We can't believe we have to say this, but do not stuff this into a target and fire a gun at it for a gender reveal party. <laughs> Dickey was contrite, but was still charged with one count of starting a fire without a permit and two counts of ruining his pregnant wife's big day, which carries a minimum sentence of sleeping on the couch for a month and a maximum sentence of a lifetime ban on, well, let's just say the activity that would result in a pregnant wife. <laughs> All right. Somewhere, somebody threw a party, and it did not go as planned, was it, from Paula Poundstone, a Spider-Man birthday party, which was going great, until Spider-Man got stuck trying to climb down the wall, and then also Batman got stuck when he tried to rescue him. From Roxanne Roberts, an entomologist's birthday party where the tarantulas got out. Or, from Peter Gross, a gender reveal party that ended up causing a terrible wildfire. Which of these is the real story of a party gone wrong? C sounds the least plausible, but I have a feeling that that's actually true. All right. You say C, that would be Peter's story of the wildfire caused by the gender reveal party. Indeed. All right. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we spoke to a reporter who covered this soiree gone wrong. 
a guy was setting up a gender reveal party, and he actually started a massive wildfire. That was Brianna Sachs, who's a breaking news reporter for BuzzFeed News, telling us about the gender reveal party turned inferno. Congratulations, you got it right, and now everybody knows, don't throw a gender reveal party. <laughs> Pete, you earned a point for Peter Gross. You've won our prize, the voice of anyone you may choose. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank I'm so you, excited. Pete. Uh, take care, Peter. Thanks a lot for playing. Thanks. Bye. And now the game where we ask exciting people about dull things. It's called Not My Job. Yeah. So Ellie Kemper was a brilliant young performer in New York when she finally got her big break, an audition for Saturday Night Live with Lorne Michaels, or as she called him, Michael Lorne's. <laughs> Surprisingly, she did not get the job. She's done okay with her roles in The Office and as the title character in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Ellie Kemper, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So, Ellie, I learned that story about calling Lauren Michaels Michael Lawrence from your new book, which you call Squirrel Days. Yep. Why did you call <laughs> your, your new book Squirrel Days? Listen, out of the gate here, I reveal that my heart is pounding. I'm an anxious, nervous person, and I'm going to 30 Rockefeller Center to meet Lorne Michaels. Of course I call him Michael Lawrence. I mean, his last name sounds like a first name. Not my fault. <laughs> How did it come up that you said his name in your audition. I know lots of people from who auditioned for SNL, and I don't think any one of them was like, well, I got it because I correctly pronounced Lorne Michaels. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I said it to reception. I said it to the receptionist. Okay. I mean, at that, at that moment, I think I was, it was just fake bravery, and I confidently said that I was there to see Michael Lorne. <laughs> wow. And you think they, they like narked on you right away? They must have. I was out. I didn't stand a chance after that. Yeah. So, so you have this new book. It's called Swirl Days, and the first thing you say in the book is that you say you have to write a book because you're starring in a TV show, yeah. and that's what TV stars do. Yes, yeah, it's just a matter of course. Yeah. It's a matter of well, course. I, I wanted to make it clear that I was trying to write a very good book. <laughs> I, hope it's, I hope you like it. Oh, it, it is true. It is All the great books, like Moby Dick, uh, begins, oh, yeah. Call me Ishmael. I'm sorry, but I was contracted to do this. Exactly. Yeah. He was great on Buzz and Buddies. I he, was he was terrific. So he was great. <laughs> Ishmael was the best. Well, back then, all the ship captains were writing books. Uh, so. I know, <laughs> that's true. But, uh, but tell us why you decided to call your memoir Squirrel Days. Um, one of the central essays of the book is about my um, ultimately unsuccessful attempt to befriend a squirrel in my backyard, which we all, <laughs> we all have been there. I mean, I, I definitely have a No, I'm just going to stop and say, I want you to finish the story. We have not all been there. <laughs> Let, let's, let's find this. So what happened with you? So you're a young girl. You're in St. Louis, right? I'm in St. Louis, or I was in St. Louis. I had just seen Dances with Wolves. I was a huge fan of The Secret Garden, and, and I thought, that's who I want to be. So I went out, and I tried to... Um, become one with nature, sort of, like really uh, get close to this plump squirrel who I nicknamed Natalie, and I realized that squirrels <laughs> don't care. That she had no interest in becoming my friend, and, and I did realize that nature is, you know, ultimately indifferent to us. And it was, an, it was a hard lesson to learn early on. But Ellie, maybe the squirrel was just indifferent to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you know what? Do you think it was me? No. It could, it could be. You know what I think? I think Natalie was its last name. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Natalie <laughs> Lawrence. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you think that now that you're famous, the squirrel's like, yeah, we were friends. <laughs> uh, what's, what's interesting about, is this true? We were trying to piece this together. Were you, in fact, a debutante back in St. Louis? I am mortified that you were trying to piece anything together. This is, I'm living a nightmare right now. Yes, I was a debutante. <laughs> well, you, you should know that if you don't want people to ask you embarrassing questions about your past, you should probably not write a memoir. <laughs> You're not joking. Yeah. So I was, I was a squirrel-loving debutante, and that's the truth. <laughs> What is a debutante? Yeah, explain, please, exactly, for those who don't know. There are people who talk to squirrels in their yards and stuff. I don't know if debutante society is bigger in, as I said, I'm from St. Louis, so that's the Midwest, but I feel like it's bigger in the South, and it's it's essentially a, um, (laughs) oh gosh, how is there a way to make this sound palatable? It's where young women are introduced to society. Oh, it's horrible. (laughs) And and, and aren't there special balls at which this is done? And you wear white dresses. Yeah. And wear white dresses and white gloves, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm only 18 when it happened, or 19. So, yeah, no, the whole thing is, it's a spectacle. Maybe some people in the audience were debutantes and know all that. No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> uh, so you play, you play Kimmy on Kimmy Schmidt, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, show created by Tina Fey on Netflix. And it seems as if that role was written for you. Is that, is that correct? I think that it was, or I know that it was, which is a huge <laughs> compliment. I mean, because, yeah, I think it was like, um, there, I'm sure there were many um, people that they were, you know, considering writing a show for, and then I think this idea was their favorite idea. So well, that went, that's if the people one that don't forward. know it, uh, Kimmy Schmidt is a character who had a terrible upbringing. She was held in a bunker for many, many years. And then the show is all about how she deals with real life as she emerges into it as an adult. And she is absolutely, uh, I guess, unbreakable. She never gets upset. She never gets frustrated. She's always incredibly cheerful no matter what happens to her. And that... is, you know, it, is some, that you? Is, it, is that the kind of person you are? Well, some say that the debutante ball was my bunker. No, yeah. I, think, I, I, think, I think that there's, I think that there's like the um, there's a little bit of me in that character. But I this will sound so corny, but I have I have drawn such strength from Camille. She is fierce. She she refuses to let outside circumstances dictate her own actions. And I really think I have like a fraction of that maybe on a good day. So I, I really do think she's um, she's been through this unimaginable ordeals and she still chooses to think the best in people which I think is remarkable you sound incredibly chipper uh, Me. Oh. yes yeah. I mean your character is kind of chipper so what's the difference <laughs> you sound both mad and suspicious I think, <laughs> I think that um I'm chipper right now because I, I'm nervous and excited. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say they're probably a bit more heightened. The, I, I do want to re- reference, because we, we had him in the show last week, that the big reveal, spoiler, at the end of the first season, that the evil man who kept you in prison was is played by John Hamm. Yes. Which is hilarious. And we found out he was actually your high school drama teacher? I know. Is that crazy? He, is that oh, yeah, crazy? He was. He, he, um, he's 10 years older than I am, and, he, and he, um, I'm younger, no big deal. And he graduated <laughs> college, and he um, came back to our high school, John Burroughs School, to teach for a year. And he taught me the improv section of my theater class, which is, it's nuts. Did you call him Mr. Ham on set? (laughs) No, she called him Ham Mr. (laughs) (laughs) She would just get so nervous. Yeah, I know. Every time time I'm flustered, it just gets a name flip. It may be a cliche, but people or actors such as yourself who have been very successful playing cheerful, lovely people want to play darker characters, uh, villains, murderers, is that sort of thing you'd like to do? I think 
could be fun. I mean, you'd have to be so careful doing that because I feel like the, if, if people start to know you a certain way, then it can be jarring to see you. You know, Maybe that's what acting is. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to act differently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Ellie Kemper, we have invited you here to play a game we're calling Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Meet the Unbreakable Jimmy Smiths. <laughs> no. Answer two questions about the distinguished actor, Jimmy Smiths. Okay. And you'll win a prize from one of our listeners, the voice of their choice from anyone on the show. Bill, who is Ellie Kemper playing for? Patrick Hoskin of Los Angeles, California. All right, Ellie, here's your first question. Jimmy Smiths was in Steve Bochco's infamous failed musical cop show, Cop Rock, but that's not his only musical role. He also appeared in what? A, if you could read his mind, the Gordon Lightfoot musical. <laughs> B, Exorcist, the musical. Or C, Mother Goose, a rappin' and a rhymin' special. Um, C? Yes! Wait, was I right? You were? Oh my God! Next question about the unbreakable Jimmy Smith. For a lot of young people, Jimmy Smith is most well known for playing Senator Bail Organa. In the recent spate of Star Wars movies, how did he get the part? A, George Lucas's original choice showed up for the interview hungover. B, Smiths just showed up in the set in costume and talked his way on. Or C, the casting director owed him some money. I, I'm very good at this game. I think I've demonstrated that, so I'm going to go with my gut and say A. You're right again. That's what, what happened. George Lucas wanted a British actor to play the role. He showed up. The guy came down all hungover. George Lucas didn't like it. Jimmy Smith's got the part. I love that story. Okay. All right. Your last bit of trivia about the unbreakable Jimmy Smith's. <laughs> How tall <laughs> is Jimmy Smith's? <laughs> is he A, 5'8", B, 6'3", or C, 12 feet tall? <laughs> I think he's, I mean, he's six foot three. Yes, he is. He's six foot three. Congratulations. <laughs> Bill, how did Ellie Kemper do on our show? Excellent. Ellie got him all right. <laughs> Congratulations. Ellie Kemper, in addition to being a delightful person, has written a genuinely delightful book called My Squirrel Days. Ellie Kemper, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Ellie. Nice to meet you, Ellie. Bye, Ellie. In just a minute, your Limerick driver is going to get a five-star rating. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology finds the right people for you and actively invites them to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., based on hiring sites with over 1,000 reviews on Trustpilot. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com wait. Are rent prices leveling off? What's the best job after college? And is our labor market actually healthy? Listen to Planet Money's daily podcast, The Indicator, to find out. From NPR and WBEC Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Paula Poundstone, Roxanne Roberts, and Peter Gross. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, 
It's constitutional. Mr. Curtis becomes the Bill of Rhymes in our listener limerick challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Roxanne, the Trump administration has made some interesting scientific discoveries, including the one that fuel-efficient cars are dangerous because people might drive them more. <laughs> But happily, they've also discovered that a little bit of what might actually be good for you? Radiation. Exactly right. (laughs) No, it makes sense. The hits keep coming. (laughs) It makes sense. It gives you a healthy glow, you know. You might have thought that radiation in any amount is bad for you. That's what our government has said for decades. But the current administration says rolling back regulations on radiation is okay because a little of it is good for you. They say it stimulates the body's repair mechanisms and can make you healthier. They may be anti-science, but they're pro-mad science. What? Is that like free chemo for everybody? What, yeah, wait a minute. What state, it, like, okay, like West Virginia, he keeps saying coal's great, coal's great. What state is the radiation state that, <laughs> that votes it for him? It must be Nevada. That he's yeah. trying to hold on to. No, is no, it Nevada? Th- in general, they're against regulations because regulations cost money. But don't worry about being exposed to radiation because it's good for you. It stimulates the immune system, makes you healthier. It's really going to come back to bite them when everybody grows a second head and both heads are allowed to vote. <laughs> it sounds like uh, like a, a doctor from the 50s being like, you should smoke Chesterfields. Yeah. So uh, there are scientists involved in this? Uh, there, there is one scientist who one. is known for this Which outlier Which department view. is this? I'm, I'm not even sure. Because it's probably the EPA. I don't know. Because the EPA just did a huge study about science, but they didn't let any actual scientists be involved yeah, in that Yeah, but they yeah, Because, no, scientists have a bias. Towards science. Yeah. Towards science. And so you want to keep them out right. of it. And yeah. they're nerds, and we can't have nerds at our party. Squeeze coming. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Squee hates nerds. <laughs> you know what? Can I just ask everyone listening at home right now to take out your 1982 calendar? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, give everybody like five or ten seconds to find, find it. it yeah. 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 By. yeah, well, no. I'll tell They're you what. filed away. I'll tell you, you where it is. It's right beside your 1981. That's true. Just go get it. <laughs> just go get it. Peter, this week we yes. read a study that suggests breaking up with who might be the most difficult of all breakups. Uh, like a cable provider, cell phone provider, <laughs> or something like that. That is pretty hard, I've discovered, um, but that's not what the study says. Um, is it a human being? Or it is. is it? It's a particular kind of human being. Oh. I'll give you a hint. No one told you life was going to be this way. <laughs> your job's a joke. You're broke. Your love life's DOA. Just your regular friends? Yes, your friends. Okay. It's much harder to break up with your friends than with a romantic partner, it turns out. Or well, so they say. You don't need to break up with your friends. You just... There's just attrition. You just don't get together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, you just don't call. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, presumably, your spouse is living in the same dwelling with you. Yeah. And so you have to make another arrangement if you don't want to see them anymore. A study in the Journal of Personal Relationships. There is no Journal of Purpose. <laughs> that's ridiculous. There is. The Journal of Purpose. Personal Relationships. Is that, is it, is that, that's a real thing? How it is. often does it come out? <laughs> It's it's always there when you need it, Paula. (laughs) (laughs) This study says that... No, I was asked to write an article for the acquaintance section. (laughs) (laughs) 
Coming up, it's Lightning Fill in the Blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. wait wait that's one 924 8924 Or you can click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago and our big 20th anniversary show at the Chicago Theater, October 25th, and our show in Orlando, November 15th. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. This is Heather Alvey calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis, Minnesota? Yeah. That's a place I know. What do you do there? Um, I am a certified feline behavior and training specialist. Um, I own a feline behavior consulting business and a cat sitting business. Do people come to you with problems because their cats are behaving badly? Correct, yes. Right. Is, is, There's I, never a solution, though. Be honest. No, no. There's no other things you can do. Well, no, tell me, isn't. We, like, <laughs> you can cover your couch in foil? Right. No, no. foil doesn't work. People, because my cats pee all over my house. And, <laughs> and, and, and people have told me, oh, put foil down. I put foil down. The good thing about it is I can hear them peeing on it for me. <laughs> you have to start at the beginning and work. I want I mean, you, you to start I, at the beginning. I am, you have to figure out why they're peeing on the couch. Yeah, because I gave them water. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's so your that lesson. That was my mistake. <laughs> uh, this is so much more interesting than these limericks. I want you oh to tell me like one thing you have successfully trained a cat to do or not to do. Um, Punch well, my a cats dog can in do the a face. whole lot of cool things. Um, yeah. We've trained them to ride a skateboard and they can do high fives and they can go into their crates on command and they sit and lie down on command. You are lying. <laughs> I am not. It's online. I've got a YouTube channel. But if they're peeing all over your house, none of those things matter. <laughs> That's true. You know, it's a cat's like, great, it's on a skateboard so it can pee across the room. <laughs> the maximum efficiency. Yeah. I have a cat who likes to get on a rocking chair so that when she vomits, she can get more distance. <laughs> There's no certificate. They pee on your certificate. <laughs> Heather. Yes. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. Okay. If you can fill in that last word or phrase on two of the limericks, you will be a winner. Okay. Here we go. Here's your first limerick. With my five stars, I'm hailing a glambulance to avoid the insurance rate scambulance. With Uber or Lyft, rides are painless and swift. I'll use ride apps instead of an... Ambulance. Ambulance, yes. <laughs> Americans spend about $14 billion a year in ambulances. And Harvard researchers claim most people going to the hospital can probably just call an Uber instead. It's a great way to cut down to medical bills, and the trip to the hospital is so much mellower. Remember, wait to see if you die or not before you rate your driver. <laughs> well, they are expensive. Ambulances are... Oh, they're fantastically I to, expensive. I thought, it, I thought they were like just a pu public service. I thought it was like the fire department or something. No. Yeah, and, then, uh, and then I took one. And, uh, oh my God, when I got the bill, I had to call another ambulance. <laughs> I didn't realize you had ever needed an ambulance. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, oh, it was my back. I just hurt my... <laughs> it was my cat pee related. <laughs> <laughs> Here is your next limerick. Try some matcha with mealworms and slugs. Put two scoops in your Halloween mugs. The trick is to eat our crickety treat. 
Our ice cream is made with real... Bugs? Yes, bugs! Oh. oh, West Coast ice cream makers, salt and straw, know what people want. Vanilla ice cream, a little chocolate maybe, some nuts or cookie dough. They're very excellent olive oil ice cream. But instead of that, they're putting actual bugs and blood in their new ice cream flavor. Ah. It's called Creepy Crawly Critters. It's a matcha ice cream with chocolate-covered crickets and mealworms, a seasonal treat aimed at pet geckos and... Moms who love matcha but did not read the second half of the description. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Heather, here is your last limerick. With social life, I am not crimpled. So I'm finding my homework quite simple. My grades got a prod because my skin is so flawed. One grade point for every... Pimple? Yes, pimple. The secret to getting good grades in school is not apparently studying or plagiarism, it's zits. (laughs) A study out this week found having acne in high school was associated with a higher overall GPA and increased your likelihood of getting an A in math, science, history, social studies, and English. So put down the books, nerdlinger, and slap on this chocolate sauce face mask. That's absurd. No, it's because if you look like that, if you have bad enough zits, your social life is in the toilet. Exactly right. And you stay home and you're like, well, I might as well study and Precisely. do Precisely. Well. Yeah. No, that's, n- that's just not true. Uh, I yeah, know. Johnny Niceskin, is, his social calendar is too full. <laughs> yeah. He can't study. I wish I could study. i got too many things going on. Yeah. My nice skin. Jo- can, my phone's nice. ringing with offers of dates. I can't, I can't study. Yeah. Johnny Niceskin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were like the worst. Nice skin Johnny is what a lot of people call him. Peter, <laughs> Peter was like the worst him. bully in the history of his high school. <laughs> hey, nice skin Johnny. <laughs> Well, thanks, Pete. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah that's right. You got nice skin. I got to go home and study. <laughs> Bill, how did Heather do in our quiz? You know, every caller we have had tonight has gotten every one right. Yeah. Wow. And Heather got all three right. Congratulations, Heather. That is pretty awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for playing, and good luck in your career of fooling the cat owners of America. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Doctors Without Borders. Right now, Doctors Without Borders teams are on the ground in over 70 countries providing life-saving medical care to those who need it most. Awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1999, Doctors Without Borders is known around the world as one of the most trusted humanitarian organizations. To learn about making a lasting gift to Doctors Without Borders by including the organization in your estate plans, visit legacy.doctorswithoutborders.org. Support for NPR comes from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill in the Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill in the blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Paula has one, Roxanne has two. And Peter has four. All right, Paula, Sir. you are in third place. That means you go first. Oh, the hi. clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill okay. in the blank. Yeah. On Monday, Indonesia declared a state of emergency as workers continued to search for survivors of the blank that hit that island's coast. The tsunami. Yes. On Sunday, officials in North Korea said the continuing U.S. sanctions made blank less likely. 
uh, getting rid of their nuclear Exactly, denuclearization. This week, a Navy veteran was arrested for sending a pair of suspicious letters to the blank. To the Pentagon. Right. On Monday, the governor of California signed a law requiring that publicly traded companies include blanks on their boards of directors. Women. Right. This week, Arby's began a promotion that offered blank to anyone who got a tattoo of their logo. Uh, I don't know, free food. No, nothing at all. Wow! <laughs> on Thursday, the Recording Academy announced it was inviting 900 women and people of color to vote on this year's blank nominations. Uh, ooh, Grammys? Yes. This week, an American Airlines flight was forced to make an emergency landing after a passenger refused to stop blanking. Uh, bagpipes. He's no. playing the bagpipes. He refused to stop doing pull-ups on the overhead bins. <laughs> The man, who was already <laughs> visibly intoxicated when he boarded the plane, started making trouble almost immediately. He ordered more drinks, stood in the aisle, and when the flight attendants asked him to sit down, he did what any drunk person does when confronted with their bad behavior and started screaming, I like beer! <laughs> <laughs> I still like beer! Bill, how did Paula do? Pretty good. Five right, ten more points, total of 11, puts her in the lead. All right. That was very good, Paula. Thank you. Roxanne, you are up next. Fill in the blank. On Thursday, the Justice Department indicted seven Russian spies for a hacking plot tied to the leak of drug testing data from the blank. From the Olympics. Right. After an international court ruled against new White House-backed sanctions, the U.S. chose to end a decades-old treaty with blank. Iran. Right. This week, four white supremacists were arrested in connection with last year's rally in blank. Charlottesville. Right. On Monday, former President Blank released a second set of endorsements for elections in November. Obama. Right. For their pioneering research in treating cancer, American and Japanese researchers won the Blank Prize for medicine this week. The Nobel. Right. On Thursday, a Blank outbreak tied to recalled eggs spread to its seventh state. Salmonella. Right. After a year of anticipation, an exotic animal park in England opened to their new penguin exhibit this week. The zoo-goers were disappointed to discover the animals were Blank. They were stuffed. Oh, you're so close. There were just cardboard cutouts. Oh, wow. The Telford Zoo's new much-hyped penguin enclosure was missing just one thing, penguins. They were unable to get any actual birds, so they just filled the whole thing with cardboard cutouts of penguins. Bill, how did Roxanne do in our quiz? Six right, 12 more points, 14 puts her in the lead. All right, so then how many... How many does Peter need to ruin Roxanne's day and take it from her? <laughs> Five to tie and six to win. Here we go, We're Peter. This tie. is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, a judge in California blocked the White House from ending protections for 300,000 blanks. Corporations. No, <laughs> immigrants. Following accusations no. that he had misled investors, Blank stepped down as Tesla's chairman. Elon Musk. Right. This week, Barham Salih, a moderate Kurd, was elected president of Blank. Iraq. Yes. This week, police in a small town in Ohio put out an advisory asking residents to stop blanking. Um, uh, immigrants was the right answer last time. Immigrants. No. To <laughs> they asked him to stop calling 911 to report seeing a coyote. It's just a coyote. It can live there. This week, police in a small town in Minnesota put out an advisory asking <laughs> residents to stop blanking. Uh, stop uh, with this coyote, same reason? No, stop calling 911 when they see a drunk bird. On Monday, oh, yeah. Amazon announced it would raise the minimum wage of its workers to blank. $15 an hour. Yes, on Sunday, European golfers beat the U.S. golfers to claim their sixth consecutive blank cup. Ryder Cup. Right. This week, an FBI agent investigating a property in Oregon was injured after he dodged a booby-trapped hot tub but was blanked. Uh, he dodged a booby-trapped hot tub, but was hit by a uh, a log that was uh, a log. No, he dodged the booby-trapped hot tub, but was shot by a booby-trapped wheelchair. 
According to the agent, the house was filled with so many traps, it was like an Indiana Jones movie. There were floors with spikes on them, a circular hot tub set on its side that was rigged to roll over any intruders, and of course, a wheelchair that had been equipped with a shotgun. The agent is expected to make a full recovery right after he has some of this cheese that's just sitting here in this big wire thing, completely unguarded. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, did Peter do well enough to win? Well, he tried to close the gap. He got four right, eight more points. Total of 12 means Roxanne is our winner this week. Bravo, Roxanne. In just a minute, we'll ask our panelists to predict who will be the next person to send a text to the whole country and what will it say. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions. Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tron and Mary Dolio. Our interns are Catherine Coates and Zoe Lowenberg. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Thanks this week to Nick Gibson. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer, if wait, wait, don't tell me, is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, who will be the next person to send a text to everyone in America? And what will it say? Peter Gross. It will be from Paula Poundstone, and it will say, Help me, I've been taken hostage by my cats. (laughs) Roxanne Roberts. It will come from Melania Trump and read... My husband is the greatest thing that has happened to this nation since pumpkin spice. (laughs) (laughs) And Paula Poundstone. It'll come from Vladimir Putin. And it will say, hello, I have access to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it here on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Peter Gross, Roxanne Roberts, Paula Poundstone. Thanks to all of you for listening. (laughs) We so appreciate it. I am Peter Sagal. And we'll see ya next week. This is NPR.